Welcome. You're listening to WO Voices, a podcast series from Women in Optometry magazine. I'm Marjolyn Bailefeld, editor of Women in Optometry. We're delighted you could join us. We're here today with Cheryl Reynolds, ODFAAO. Dr. Reynolds is the president of the National Optometric Association, and she's an associate professor at Nova Southeastern College of Optometry. Welcome, Dr. Reynolds. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here today. We're uh, so interested in hearing more about the, the, the mission, the vision of the National Optometric Association. Can you tell us a little about your involvement? Yes, thank you so much. So let me just introduce the National Optometric Association for those in the audience that have not heard about our organization. This organization was founded in 1969, and it's dedicated to improving the quality and accessibility of eye care in minority and underserved communities. Uh, The NOA is comprised primarily of minority optometrists throughout the U.S., And as previously mentioned, I'm just so proud to be the president of this organization. We will be celebrating our 50th year um, in Atlanta at our 50th year convention in 2019. And so we're just pleased to be around for 50 years. Um, Our mission of advancing the visual health of minority population is an important mission. And I know it's also a mission that is shared with a lot of our partners, uh, as well as with women in optometry. We're committed to reducing visual impairment and blindness from eye diseases, such as glaucoma, amongst population at higher risk, our African-American Black population, our Hispanic Latino population as well. So the NOA's mission is pretty broad. We are also focused... uh, in align with our mission in actively uh, recruiting minority students into schools and colleges of optometry. Uh, The National Optometric Association provides mentorship and guidance. We feel that it's very important to uh, provide mentorship, not just be there for the students, but to provide mentorship for them as they matriculate through schools and colleges of optometry. And one of our goals also is um, to help these young doctors in uh, job placement and networking after graduation. So our student organization or arm of the National Optometric Association that actively helps us to do that with our students is the National Optometric Student Association. And we have a NOSA chapter in uh, most of the schools and colleges of optometry. And our NOSA chapter is about maybe 900 students strong, and they partner with the National Optometric Association in helping to increase eye health awareness um, in minority communities near their schools and colleges of optometry. Your membership, it's, it's not limited to minority professionals. And that's exactly right. So our membership is not exclusive to minority um, optometrists and students and healthcare practitioners and optician. Uh, the NOA has um, a very diverse membership pool. We have uh, a wide span of African American, Caucasian, uh, Asian, Hispanic. Uh, that are part of our NOSA as well as our National Optometric Association. So let me put you on the spot here because it's a question that uh, I get asked as editor of Women in Optometry. Why is it necessary 
to have an organization such as the National Optometric Association? Well, so let me just give you a historical perspective. So these, this organization was developed by our founders, Dr. C. Clayton Powell and the late Dr. John Howlett in 1969, not because the, uh, we weren't, uh, you know, minorities weren't invited to, uh, be part of the American Optometric Association. It's back in that, that particular time and era where there wasn't a lot of inclusiveness. And uh, some of the issues were um, that the minorities, that, uh, optometrists at that time, were not fully participants in uh, some of the organization. In fact, uh, back in those days, some hotels that hosted the convention wouldn't host the minority members of uh, the optometric field. So optometry has been a a profession similar to most professions where you've had some you know, uh, groundbreaking uh, members that have uh, gotten into the profession in early stages and have fought the uphill battle to uh, be included. And so just like with most national uh, organization like the National Bar Association or the National Medical Association or the National Accounting or Journalism. These organizations were born out of the sense that we recognize that we need to be part of the discussion and, and to be part of the solution and to bring awareness to diversity and the underserved communities uh, within our profession. So that was really the driving emphasis, you know, uh, impetus for uh, forming the National Optometric Association. So now, 50 years later, the challenge for us is the work still continues. There are still, you know, our patient population is very diverse, but yeah, diversity continues to be uh, a challenge. You know, uh, studies after studies, the healthcare field, as far as our patient demographic, continue to be a very diverse field. But when you look at healthcare providers, uh, that continues to be a challenge. In fact, uh, a recent study by uh, CMS, uh, which is our um, Center for Reporting for uh, Medicare, found that minority health disparities, disparities continue to impact several qualities and access um, to health care, uh, patient communication, and chronic disease management. And so I think it's just important to have the NOA continue to be that advocate uh, for uh, improving diversity, but not just improving diversity within the profession of optometry, but inclu- but increasing inclusiveness, because you can have diversity, but not have inclusiveness. And when you look at the uh, profession at a whole, as a whole, women have made great strides. When you look at the optometric schools, I would say 50% of the classes are females. <laughs> uh, so women have done a very great job. And I think that women of optometry was born out of that to continue to be a voice for women within the profession. And similar to that, the National Optometric Association continues to be a voice uh, for diversity and inclusiveness uh, within the profession of optometry. So are you um, supporting, cultivating the, the leaders of the optometric profession 
So that is our goal. So as incoming president of the NOA, one of my goal is to continue to partner with our partners in the American Optometric Association, the American Opti- uh, Academy of Optometry, ASCO, uh, to continue to uh, address the issue of diversity and inclusiveness, to be part of the discussion and how we can best address um uh, this very important issue. For example, uh, when we look at the schools and colleges of optometry, they have done a very good job in diversity as far as um, uh, we have quite a bit of our Asian population within the schools and colleges of optometry. However, the challenges still remain in getting our African-American Black students uh, into the profession, as well as Hispanics. So that's where the NOA is focused on helping to increase uh, uh, minority uh, an enrollment into schools and colleges of optometry instead of having one per class or two uh, blacks or African-American per class, we need to do a better job in, in, in getting the word out about uh, this profession to uh, bright minds uh, that are in, you know, disp- uh, that are interested in healthcare uh, overall, or those bright and talented minds that go to traditional, uh, you know, HBCUs, historically black universities and colleges, uh, those bright minds that are in STEM programs in high school or middle school that have been identified as being uh, interested in the health profession. How can we get those individuals and young minds interested in the field of optometry and into our schools and colleges of optometry? So it's still a work that needs to be done. And the NOA uh, really wants to be part of that and continue to be part of that discussion on how we can better address that. And and how can you do that? I mean, how do you reach out to these people who um, I'm sure engineering schools are going after and probably medical schools? And I mean, there's there's a lot of um, competition, I I guess, for talented uh minority students who have this aptitude in the uh, in the sciences and that's that's true and uh we recognize that that is a uh uh a pretty competitive area to get them interested in optometry. Uh, however, the challenge still remains that we have to do it. So one of the things that NOA is currently involved with is partnering with um, um individuals that would like to see this uh, become more of a success. Uh, one of our goals under my presidency is to better partner with those HBCUs as far as introducing the profession uh, to uh, young, bright minds that attend these uh, universities and colleges in their early formative years, their freshman year. Um, I'm not sure how many HBCUs have a pre-optometry program, but the NOA would like to help facilitate pre-optometry programs at these schools. So we're starting with a new program of mentorship across the board, um, helping these young, bright minds think about optometry. And so this new program for us is partnering. uh, We're taking baby steps, but partnering with our HBCUs, reaching out to them uh, to uh, better facilitate a communication about the profession and what the communication, what the profession, I'm sorry, has to offer. for these graduates and how they can become optometrists. You know, when I was 
an undergrad at University of Florida. I knew nothing about optometry. In fact, I was the first one in my family to go off to college. And a lot of these students are still the same. They may be the first one in their families to go off to college. And they don't have anyone in their families that know of optometry or know of someone in the optometric field. But a lot of these kids probably wear glasses or contacts. And so uh, just getting them interested in eye health and not and getting them to understand that it's so much more than just contact lenses and glasses, that eye health is very important, treating glaucoma. Uh, preventable cause of blindness, uh, detection and, and management of chronic disease conditions such as diabetes in our patients and diabetic eye health, uh, high blood pressure uh, uh, in uh, minority patients, uh, looking for changes in the back of the eye that could predict stroke. So we got to get them to understand that it's so much more than just glasses and contacts. So that's our goal in working and partnering with our um, those HBCUs. So we hope to roll out this program at the 50th year anniversary, our inaugural uh, program. Um, and that's something in the works. So we're, we're committed to doing that under my uh, presidency. I definitely would get that done. Great. Great. Who was uh, your mentor or mentors, Dr. Reynolds? And that's a good question because it, it is mentorship is very important as we were talking about. And I'm an advocate for mentorship. Uh, I know you're asking me who was my mentor, but I just want to share that I currently mentor high school girls uh, with a program called Women of Tomorrow. And I've been doing that for the last 10 years. And I see the value um, in mentorship. These young girls come from schools that are in challenging neighborhoods, and these are at-risk high school students. And so we found that uh, this mentorship program, 100% or close to 100% of the students that participate graduate from school. So it's very important. And I was very fortunate to have a great mentor um, when I was going to school, Dr. Terrence Ingraham, the late Terrence Ingraham, uh, came into uh, Nova Southeastern or Southeastern at the time, and he was the associate Dean of uh, Student Affairs, and uh, he was in the contact lens department, and he was my mentor. He was my guide. He was my counselor, and he was my biggest cheerleader, and I was very fortunate to have him, and um, since then, I've surrounded myself with great mentors, Dr. Stacy Coulter, who is just a giant in the field of pediatric optometry, has been an awesome mentor uh, for me here at Nova Southeastern, Dr. Joseph Pizzamenti who is currently at Rosenberg College of Optometry, still an awesome mentor uh, for me as far as, uh, you know, uh, continue education and speaking and just support. So I've surrounded myself with a lot of great mentors, Dr. Diana Sheckman, even though we're still, we're about the same age, her and I uh, banter back and forth, and she's a great mentor as well. So I've been fortunate to have some really good mentors in my life. And that kind of shows that the mentoring continuum doesn't doesn't uh, necessarily end and, you know, pick up somewhere else. I mean, you can be both mentor and uh, mentee at the same time. Right, exactly. And that's for me, because that is so important as a mentor and someone who has received mentorship, that the NOA really, I think that's a gap that's missing within the profession. Um, 
you know, the challenges for the do- the doctors is finding the time to speak to young doctors. And a lot of time when they have their private practice, there's that next generation that works in their office that they encourage uh, to go to schools and, and really advocate for the profession. So in some small way, they are doing mentorship. But I know it's just challenging for them to step away from their practice and say, you know, they're going to spend some time uh, with a young, interested uh, mind uh, in the field of optometry. But I think it's so critically important that we have the mentorship. And that's why I'm an advocate for it. And that's why that's something I want the NOA to really strive to do because I see the value of it being a mentor and I see the value of it being a person who received great mentorship. So, so if somebody is interested in reaching out to the, you know, the population of minority um, candidates, how, how do they do such a thing? So, I mean, they could definitely contact me at Nova Southeast University, srenold at nova.edu or s-r-e-y-n-o-l-d at nova.edu. I think the first step is to uh, probably identify schools and colleges uh, within their communities that are dedicated to, um, you know, minority uh, students. In fact, uh, even universities like University of Florida had a, you know, I went to University of Florida, I'm a Gator, and they had an Office of Minority Recruitment uh, at University of Florida. And so you could reach out to those programs or those offices and just let them know uh, that you're interested in being a mentor. And then for uh, high school, I mean, I'm pretty sure there are high school programs next to or around Doctors of Optometry where they have mentorship programs. They could go into the schools and talk about the profession. I know that for my child, my two kids, actually, I had to go in during elementary and talk about optometry and eyes. And so uh, that's just a start right there. And then um, you can get involved, but definitely contact me if you want to uh, participate in this program that we're starting to build and 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 uh, growing the NOA. And I could definitely give you some guidance. But um, I think just reaching out to the local uh, uh, schools and uh, local colleges and seeing if they have a, a minority office that you can reach out to. That's great. Because as you mentioned, for so many of these students, if they are of of any ethnic background, of course, if they are uh, first-generation college-bound students, it's not just grades. I mean, there's so much to get used to in that idea of of going off to college and what you have to buy and how to structure your time, and it can be overwhelming. It's it's just so many factors, right? So I have a... Excuse me. I have a 17 year old daughter who is graduating this year. And as a college graduate, I understand the challenges. But I was just uh, talking to my sister the other day. We both went to UF and both our parents did not. Uh, go to college. And just some of the challenges that we found is exactly what you said, just understand what college life is all about, Uh, books and scholarships and to, you know, financial aid and college dorm versus an apartment. You know, those important questions that kids always ask, you know, you want so much, but it's just understanding college life and what you need to do as far as when you get to college, what classes and how the process works. The first two years you get your associate, the next two years you're working on your, 
your uh, degree. Uh, there are some dual enrollment program. My daughter was fortunate to be involved in dual enrollment at a local community college here in uh, South Florida. So she has a little bit of college experience by participating in dual enrollment. Uh, and a lot of these minority uh, young individuals probably never had that opportunity to participate in dual enrollment. Uh, so there are a lot of things that you have to talk to them about as far as college life. And But I think one of the things that I it's important to do is to just get the um, interest in them about optometry. Dr. Reynolds, thanks so much for telling us about the NOA and its mission and drive. Thank you for having me as well. Thank you for listening. I hope you join us again next time on WL Voices. If you'd like to be part of our podcast series, please contact us. You can email us at wovoicesonline at gmail.com or via our website, womeninoptometry.com, on Facebook at WO Magazine, or through Twitter or Instagram at WomenODs. See you next time.